This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Franchise Tag NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, joined alongside Chris. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, everybody. What's going on? So, week one is in the books, um, officially. Monday night games are done. Um, I sat through a lot of red zone on Sunday, especially at work, um, and... At the beginning, I think the first half of these games weren't as exciting as a lot of people would have hoped. But you have to, no. mind you, and I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to a lot of teams here and say that, hey, you know, a lot of a lot of these players sat out in the preseason, so now mm-hmm. they're officially playing together. At what point in the season do you start to throw away everything that has to do with the preseason or any stats last year? I've heard a lot of people say around week four, because that's how long the preseason is, or around week four, that's when teams are accumulated to their new systems, if they have new head coaches or new game plans. At what point during the year do you say, all right, anything involved with preseason, them not playing together, blah, 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 or anything last year stat-wise, would you get rid of that? Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty for, uh, in my head before you even said four weeks, I was thinking more like three so it's in the ballpark of, of what people say with the four-week process. Um, I just think that within three weeks, if you're not clicking, you're not going to click. Like it, you had some off-season and you're going through that. And obviously during the off-season or the, um, you know, going into the regular season with all these condition trainings and uh, all the camps and everything, they're just getting their groove in. But there's no trial and error if they're not playing in these preseason games. So now that there's a one game out of the way, now they know in a game time situation with real starters in a real life situation, they know what worked, what didn't work, and they go from here. My, my other question is, why do people also tend to overreact during week one, even though that's always the case where you throw away everything you thought about last season, like stat-wise, you throw away all your stats that you have accumulated up to this point, like anything line-wise, receiving-wise, quarterback ratings, anything you throw away at week four, I'd say, is like the perfect amount, but... Why do you think people overreact so much week one? Do you think it's the excitement over football being back? Or is it that, you know, are we looking to expect some 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 bad things from teams as well up to, up to this point? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the, the process of waiting since... I mean, if your team made it to the Super Bowl waiting since February, if your team didn't waiting since January, December, depending on when your team ended their season, you've been waiting since then to actually get to go see your team play in a game that actually matters. And... You know, last year, if your team didn't do, well, if you weren't the Patriots fans, then your team didn't do what every team wants, which is to win that Super Bowl. So now you're, you're it's the new process and it's the new step, and everybody wants that end goal, which is the uh, Lombardi Trophy at the end of the season. But it all, you know, starts and everyone's antsy and everyone's excited for it. And then to watch, I mean, we'll get into the game, but to watch my team start the way that they did oh my god it was like i couldn't wait and then i couldn't wait for the game to be over it's almost but. like you wanted to overreact especially to, if it's your own team i feel oh, like yeah. I, I feel like i don't blame anyone as well but there's a lot of things you could take away from week one which like you said before we'll get into that could go well into the regular season um so first impressions of week one in your opinion um i was very surprised i feel like there were some good teams that we expected a lot out of and they didn't really perform and there were some some teams that we didn't really expect much of and uh one of those teams for example that that we had been talking about for the last couple months that we didn't expect much out of was the uh the Bengals, and, and they almost took down the seahawks and surprisingly i was watching red zone and i was really like you know when i was watching red zone um, I think it's a little delayed on Sunday Ticket, which yeah. is okay because you're watching every single game anyway. You're never going to be able to watch every game in your life. Yeah. But I was also watching the Giants game in real time, 
And I think that was a 4 o'clock game as well, if I'm not mistaken. 4.25, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, during the Bengals-Seahawks game, they, they weren't showing a lot of that game. Like, I saw most of the ending. And mm-hmm. you know how, like, it ended in a a booth review over a fumble with with Andy Dalton. And yeah. uh, whether if it was incomplete, it was very close. But the gist of it all, I saw more of that than anything. I, I don't remember seeing a lot of Joe Mixon. Um, I don't remember um, seeing yeah, a lot of Andy yeah. Dalton play. But it was very close until the very end. I didn't even see that reception by top, by. Tyler Lockett till later on. Uh, like Red yeah. Zone wasn't showing that game as much, and they were showing a lot of that Giants Cowboys game, and it was pretty much yeah. in the books right after halftime. So. Yeah, I mean, they started off. We'll get into it, but they started off strong, and then obviously they didn't win. But we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. So, anything else you want to say on Week One? Because we're about to jump into these games right now. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm just excited. Football's back, even though didn't start off on the right foot for my team. Oh, I'm no. just excited. That uh, I feel like going through the week, I now have something to look forward to because it's kind of like you know over the summer it's it's nice you know you can go on vacations you can go to the beach or whatever and then you got work stuff going on and then now you have class it's kind of like that nice little buffer that one day at least if you only watch on Sundays that it's like all right I just take my whole time slot I'm doing nothing this day I'm just sitting here watching football all day and it's it's a nice it's a nice day it's very nice and I'm so excited football's back as well. It's all, it almost feels unreal that it's back, and I feel like it's like that every year. It but is. It's, it's it's here, man. It's like and the first. I'd say like the first like month. It, it it's like oh my god, I can't believe it's back. And then like October, it's kind of like eh, it's football. You start to get yeah, settled into yeah. it. I don't want to ever reach that point though because I, 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 I love it so year. much. I yeah, say that every year I'm yeah. not gonna do it. And then I get to October and I'm just like either fed up with my team because they're not doing what I wanted, or fed up with other teams because they're doing really well and my team isn't. And I'm just like I don't even want to watch. And I always find myself saying that. I feel like there's not any other sport that comes back and you have that feeling where you're just like oh my gosh i'm so excited it's back and then it really hits you um like when baseball comes around it's kind of it's because there's so many games yeah like every day that you're kind of just it's, yeah. it's kind of bland up to up that point um and then the nba comes around and I, i'm excited for it but like at the jump you're not seeing a lot like no. every every game for the nfl each week like counts yeah and like, i mean yeah I, I i definitely agree with that and i i know uh on Sunday, actually, I went um, I went out with our uh, friend Mark, and we were playing football. And before that, I actually went to uh, to the food store with my dad. And everywhere, you were seeing, no matter what team it was, you were seeing fans of every team everywhere. And it was just like, wow, like everybody is excited about this, whether they're Giants, Jets, Cowboys, whatever it is. Yeah. They had their jerseys on, and it's just like, wow, this is the this is opening day, and it's it's surprising that you just see all these people coming in in jerseys like you i mean it happens for other sports but not as much as what i saw for sunday yeah definitely so with that being said let's jump into week one and we're already going to be previewing week two by the end of this episode but we have a lot of ground to cover here i figured we start with packers and bears since that was the first game on the docket of the all year right, right. i mean we were there watching it together so we saw yep. the exact same thing um i mean sometimes when you're it's i feel like it's much better when i'm watching with someone I'm going to be talking about with, about it with later because mm-hmm. if I'm watching Red Zone or if I'm at work watching Red Zone or anything like that, I'm not going to catch as many things as yeah. you would if we weren't watching together. So I feel yeah. like since we saw this together, maybe we'll have the same type of mindset towards how this game was seen. But again, it's the first game, so a lot of people gave it the benefit as well as out of the other games in Week 1. But uh, yeah, Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, Thursday Night Football, um, September 5th, kickoff officially of the NFL. Um, the Green Bay Packers won this game 10 to 3. They're officially 1 0. The Chicago Bears are 0 and 1. First impressions of this game. Then we'll go in more in depth. What was the big outlier here? What did you see the most and what needs to be maybe improved or what do you see moving forward for both of these teams? See, my my biggest question that I guess we will have to wait for the next week or two 
moving on to to actually get the answer for but my question was was this just a really really good defensive battle between these two teams or were their offenses both struggling that's that's my question. That's a great way to put it because going into this game, I, I remember on uh, DraftKings the 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 Bears were favored minus three. Yes, and so I took the Packers plus three. I'm not going to bet against um, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Their defense looks a lot nicer than it was last year. They finally have enough time and effort that they could put in to their defense and not worry as much about um, Aaron Rodgers. He just has to figure it out with Matt Lafleur, and yeah. the organization just has to deal with that. So I took them plus three. I won the bet, but um. What I'm seeing is, I think I honestly think it was a good defensive battle, but at the same time, the Chicago Bears offense doesn't look good. And I was told by a lot of people that they were going to bet the Bears' money line, which is just outright win, um, mm-hmm. for them to win the game, just relying on their defense. And I've said this for a very long time. I've had uh, my buddy Stephen Strom from TalkNorth.com come on over the summer um, to speak with me over the phone about the NFC North, and we talked about the Bears, and they're really nice on defense. And I compared them to the Jaguars. I even said... You know, two years ago, especially in that AFC title game, that you could have the best defense in the league at that moment. But if you don't have enough on offense, you're not going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very reminiscent of that team. I don't think it's the same to the extent. I think Trubisky's a lot better than Blake Bortles. That's what he said also. And I, I think it's true. I think I think Mr. Trubisky's a better quarterback than Blake Bortles. But at the same time, your defense isn't going to win you the whole game. Um Overall, I like the Packers, and moving forward, I think this 1-0 victory is going to help them moving forward. Um, The outlier for for me was the Bears' offense. Um, And again, like you said before, just to kind of go back to what you said, you know, it it was a good defensive battle, but overall what stood out to me most was that Bears' offense, and it just looked atrocious. Yeah, I mean, I think that what you said with the Bears, where their offense was awful, their defense was playing really well, I think that was the situation for them, or that's what we're going to be seeing in the next coming weeks. And for the Packers, I think that their offense, I mean, they have a new head coach, but I feel like their offense also was having issues because the Bears' defense is very good. I mean, they're going with a newer system plus this this tough defense. I feel like that's kind of why they ended up with 10 points. Um, Their defense did, I feel like, improve, even though the the Bears... Just on paper by itself, it's improved. It's just what we see on the field. Truthfully... Their defense stood out to me a lot, but again, I keep going back to this Bears offense, man, because you would see on the replays they would they would show mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky's feet. This guy has happy feet. He's not <laughs> he's not setting his feet. He's not you know looking at who's open. He's very he's very like jittery. I guess I would say yeah. is the right word because also in a replay, I think so. I forgot who was open. I don't know if you remember this replay, but um, it was showing in the replay right behind him, um, the camera angle and. He was going towards the outside because he was either going to pass or start to scramble. Unfortunately, he scrambled and got tackled, but someone was like wide open in front of him. He didn't even see him. Yeah, uh, I forgot who it was I, I in particular, but, was, but he he targeted um, Allen Robinson a lot this game. So yeah, maybe it was him. Was maybe just, it was a check down to Tariq Cohen. I don't know. I, I don't remember. Say, it was so long ago. But I, I would say the only highlight or one of the very, very, very few highlights of that offense was probably Allen Robinson. He put up, I think he had over 100 yards, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could finally, I think I would jot down that he's the number one receiver at this point, as long yeah. as he stays healthy. Again, he had that ACL tear. Those things come back to bite you eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, you, could t- you could tell after, even after everything you do, it's pretty much sore. Like So, you know, ACL tears are bad, but, you know, he's an NFL player. He's a pro, and mm-hmm. I thought when he was with the Jaguars as well, and going back to the Jaguars, I guess this all comes full circle, um, he was amazing with the Jaguars when he was over there. Uh, I feel like him and Blake Bortles had that connection 
Yeah. Um, and then he went down with that injury the year later. I remember in fantasy as well, I picked him up. I think it was like a battle between me and you to pick him up in the waiver wire. I ended up getting him, and he put up like 15 points every week. So yeah. he was giving me the you know, the workload that was needed. So I thought him going to the Bears was nice. It just depended on if Mitch Trubisky could get him the ball. Looks to me he can get him the ball. If he could utilize him well moving forward and you know, use him as a target. But you, there's a lot of other weapons on this offense, man. And if you can't get him to the other guys as well, you're going to end up with three points on the board every every game, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to, to Trubisky. I mean, they, they have built weapons around him. Now he needs to execute. That's kind of what it's at right now. He's... I mean, the first year or so he was in the league, I mean, they didn't have great weapons at the time, I don't think. So they might have had, like, one big guy, one or two big guys. Now they're starting to really build around him, so now there's really no more excuses. Now it's up to you to execute. You have gone through the process of that rebuilding of that whole new offense, starting with you, and if you can't execute it, I mean, I don't... I just... I don't know. There's, there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming up in this next draft, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't think they're moving on from Jabisky, but I can agree with you there. There's really no excuse now because you, you took that year to, to be under Matt Nagy. Um, Matt Nagy was coach of the year due to that fantastic defense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of people see offensive play. Uh, not, I mean, I'm mixing up my words here, but I'm saying coach of the year, you mostly think of like, oh, they have the right quarterback, they have the right offense, but their defense was so good that basically won, won him that award single-handedly. Yeah. Um, and I think now they really have to focus on their offense. Again, their backfield looks a lot different this year. It even looks maybe a little better if you, if whatever way you look at it. But um, Mitch Trubisky is – I know this guy can throw the ball. I know he can. So I, seeing him, I know he could run the ball as well. We've seen that last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he ran very effectively because if he isn't able to find a target, he, he's very good at improvising and finding a way um, to get a first down. But I think there was a stat that said uh, like 60, 60-something percent or maybe 40 percent, I always mix it up, but a high percentage of his third of his third down um, attempts were converted into first downs. So this guy can make plays. He mm-hmm. could he could extend he could extend plays. Um, he can move forward in the offense and give him another shot at another couple downs. But um, I, I'm gonna see, we're gonna see some improvement out of him. Um, he had a great year last year. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, in division games like that, with a deep when you're highly favored and have a great defense such as theirs. It's really up to you at that point. Like a lot, a lot, yeah. you can, a lot of people, a lot of teams don't have the defense that they have, and their offense is still able to produce and put points up on the board. These guys didn't get even get a score on the board. They're yeah. even lucky to get the kick. Did you see how excited they were when Eddie Pinero I, hit that kick? Well, I mean, how their season ended last year, I don't blame them. I don't blame but, them either. But if you can't reach the end zone on a touchdown, I think you have you should find different things to celebrate about. Yeah, so. I mean, I guess to leave it for any positive for. For Bears fans, um, I saw, I forget what analyst, somebody tweeted this out, I don't remember who it was, but they said Bears, uh, it was the night of the game after they lost, and they said, Bears fans need to relax, the Bears went to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I guess I look, that, I look at that as a positive, but um, exactly. I'm sure they're ready. They're already going into next week hoping for a victory. Um, they go up against another division rival in the Vikings. So it's another tough matchup. Another tough matchup. They're coming off a pretty good win. Like I don't. Th- we're gonna get into that later. But yeah. Kirk Cousins didn't throw more than ten times, and they still won the game. That's unheard of of last year. Yeah. So um, so yeah. I mean, let's jump in. Let's go into more depth with Mitch Trubisky here. So he had 228 yards and an interception. The one interception was kind of like this is do or die. I need to go for the end zone, and it ended up being an interception in like the left corner of the end zone. By, so uh, he took the shot but by the former Bear, Adrian Amos. Yes. Yeah, and uh, dude, I like him on the on the on the Packers, man. Um, he's. I, I feel like he. Was, it was like it's like a script that was written. Yeah. That he got that interception. I feel like he is what the Packers wanted out of Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and he just wasn't giving it to them. 
So then they moved on from him, and now he filled in that spot. And I feel like that is what they want out of HaHa Clinton Dix is what Amos is going to be doing for them. So right now in their backfield, it's kind of running back by committee until they find out who exactly should be used where. Because they have both Mike Davis and David Montgomery. A lot of people were expecting a very big debut from David Montgomery. But um, pretty quiet night for him. Again, first game of the first game of the season. Guy's, what, 21 years old, 22 years yeah, old, I think? Yeah, he's young. Yeah, I think he's 22 years old. Very young. First NFL game. You're not going to see a lot from him. Um, but he 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 was uh, he had six carries, 18 yards. Um, but in the passing game, let me scroll down like here, just kind of double check. 20 yards or something. Uh, what is it, Montgomery? He had, he had one for 25, one for 27. Yeah, yeah. So one receptions for 27 yards, and Mike Davis, who they just acquired over the off season, um, in place of Jordan Howard, who was traded to the Eagles, had five carries, 19 yards. Um, so it's kind of split right now. Um, yeah, not much production, really. And from what I saw from Mike Davis, I, I feel like whenever he was handed the ball, I, I, we were going to see some more produ- production out of him. But I, th- I feel like David Montgomery can run the ball, dude. And I, I, th- I do think they utilize him more later on. Or do you think they're going to split this backfield until someone comes out on top? Who is the clear cut? Who's going to be that clear cut number one? Yeah, I mean, as of right now, it's not. Their their numbers are almost identical off of week one. So it's if they're trying to you know, throw one in over the other. They did a very bad job at it because they basically are the same numbers that they gave up. You have five for 19 with uh, Mike Davis and then six for, what does that say, 18? Yeah. For David Montgomery, they're, they're basically mirror images of each other. So, I guess so. I, I, I really, guess uh, Mike, Davis, out. Mike Davis in Seattle, dude, wasn't bad. He no, wasn't. He wasn't, wasn't at all. They just had like 10 running backs. So. Yeah, exactly. So one of them's got to go <laughs> and apparently it was Mike Davis. But him added to the Bears, I felt like that was a pretty solid fit for him. But then you draft David Montgomery in the third round, and I'm thinking this kid could be something. And um, I feel like he'll come out of a shell eventually again first game, and it wasn't a good game by them at all offensively. So if you're not getting anything going, you're kind of throwing from behind. So that means these guys aren't going to get much production in the later quarters of the game. So, um, again, offensively, we mentioned uh, Allen Robinson, seven receptions, 102 yards. I mean, what more can you expect? Allen Robinson is one of the better wide receivers in – um, their backfield. But um, I forgot to mention before, we talked about Tariq Cohen. And in their backfield, last year, whenever he was handed the ball, he, he was pretty solid. But now you got two other guys that need to get their sh- fair share of work. So he's looking to be more of the passing down back. They're lining him up in the slot. Mm-hmm. He had eight receptions, 49 yards, 6.1 yards per catch. What do you think of the role they're playing with Tariq Cohen now? Because last year when Jordan Howard wasn't getting the ball, Tariq Cohen was that guy. And he was both in the receiving game and the running game. Now they're looking to use him a lot more in the receiving game. Do you think that's better for him? Uh, with the way that the other two running backs, with the talent that they have, yeah, I, f- I feel like Tariq Cohen is talented, but I feel like he's he was better utilized as a passing back. So if they're going to try to throw him in as a running back, I feel like he's going to lose to Montgomery or to Mike Davis. I feel like he's just not going to win that battle. So um, I-, I think by them throwing him out in the slot... Their other receivers have not done much. And, I mean, looking at the stats now, you had Allen Robinson who led the team in uh, receiving yards. But then the other two, the second and third in terms of yards, were two running backs. It was Cohen and Montgomery. So the other receivers are not getting many looks. It's more of these either dump-offs or more of these, uh, you know, kind of slot looks that they're getting. Um, Because then the fourth guy was Taylor Gabriel. And he he only had two looks. So... The, the, out of out of those, you had eight looks for Cohen, 
you had one for Montgomery, but then you had six for Davis in the passing game. I That's was a lot. just going to talk about it. I know we just said there were mirror images of each other, him and David Montgomery, just for this game alone. We'll definitely see some changes later on. I think Montgomery comes out on top, but they were looking at Mike Davis a lot in the backfield, too. Yeah. Um, but I, but obviously Montgomery used a lot more with what he was given, which is one reception for 27 yards. Yeah. That was more than all six receptions that Mike Davis had. So put it all together, it was basically the same. It should, he just more volume for Mike Davis, but mm-hmm. again, David Montgomery used a lot more with the opportunities that he had. Um, Anthony Miller quiet this game. Yeah. Got, I'm sure they got to involve him a lot more later. Last year he was a pretty phenomenal. He was a rookie last year, right? If I'm not mistaken, um, I think so. Maybe I think so. Um, I'm not positive. About I'm not that positive one. either, but I like Anthony Miller because I remember when I first really discovered him on the Bears as their as one as a person in their wide receiving core. I thought he was going to be good for um, Mitch Trubisky, especially if you mm-hmm. can't find Allen Robinson. And you know you got Taylor Gabriel too, two receptions, 24 yards. He's going to have a lot of games like that. I don't think this is the last game he has where he puts up that kind of numbers. But again, you can't get the offensive well, offensive side of the ball going, so you're going to have to throw from behind, and he threw to Allen Robinson a lot. So that's yeah. pretty much all I have to say on that. W- how, how do you think the Bears should improve moving forward? Do you think they utilize their backfield a lot more, be more run first? or I, I think they're run first already, if I'm not mistaken. Like, yeah, I, I, I think like they, they like to hand the ball off. I feel like they were run first. It just wasn't working for them. Yeah. So and, and then everything else went downhill from there because when that's your strategy and it doesn't work for you, now you got to go to the backup plan, and, and it just wasn't. The passing game was not really doing much either. So I think if they get David Montgomery going, and I think if he, he's really good at the ground-and-pound game and he could also catch out of the backfield and, and do what he does back there, you're not expecting what to see in Tariq Cohen when Mitch Trubisky's throwing, and that, that's a whole different offensive player that he could use because, again, he could be using the backfield and also in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And he likes Allen Robinson a lot, as you could tell from the stats we just read you guys. But... um. I, I think it'll open things up more for him if, if they get David Montgomery going. I think if you kind of hold back on Mike Davis a little longer, you could use him in different points in the game, maybe on like short yardage situations, Yeah. but start giving the ball to David Montgomery. I think we're going to see a lot of him moving forward. I think it's going to help that offense a lot. Yeah, so. I mean, if, if this Bears offense, I don't know if this was just a one-week thing or if this is the way they're going, but if they're us- utilizing their running backs a lot, maybe they're going to start throwing more like two uh, running back sets or something out there to uh, really, really maybe put Cohen and uh, Montgomery, for example, in the backfield and have them like in a shotgun formation, just have them go out for passes. I mean, you never know what you're going to get out of that. It could be a handoff. It could be a pass because you technically, I mean, if they're not using Cohen as a running back, but they're using Montgomery as a running back, you don't know what that look is going to give you. You can yeah. do a read option with Trubisky. You could do a lot with something like that. So, so at the end of the end, at the end of the day, I'm going to give them the benefit. But they also have a very hard matchup going into next week in division mm-hmm. game. That's really going to show me like if you don't win your games in division, it's going to be a long year for you. And I, again, defense can't do it all. No, I'm, that defense did all that they could to stop Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he was sacked in the backfield plenty of times, three or four times, I think, a lot. Yeah, yeah, a lot. So there's no way this whole year you can blame it on the defense or looking to, looking at the offense. Mr. Bisky, what do you got in your second year under Matt Nagy? Um, it's technically your sophomore year going into the NFL, even though you were drafted a while ago with John Fox. But yeah. people can compare you to Jared Goff all you want, being under Sean McVay. Um, but I don't, I don't know. You can't make up. You can't have any excuses moving forward anymore. He's your guy it's, moving forward. Yeah, it's it's he's your guy. Too far in. They're not getting a new quarterback anytime soon. No. So I mean, we'll go over to the Packers now because I think we spent way too much time on the Bears considering <laughs> the pro- having three points on the board. Yeah. Um. But Aaron Rodgers, um, eighteen for thirty, two hundred and three yards and a touchdown. Um. He had a pretty s- rough start to the game. Again, yeah. this guy didn't touch the field in the preseason, rightfully so. He's Aaron Rodgers. He just got his money. You don't want to. 
get him injured anymore, especially when he had that collarbone injury a year or two ago. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, uh, as soon as he put that first touchdown on the board, I knew that the Bears were in trouble. Like, how are you going to march downfield now? Because I feel like as soon as they got that touchdown with Jimmy Graham in the end zone, and I was never expecting Jimmy Graham to put up the first touchdown of the NFL season, if you're to put money on it, but when they got that touchdown, I knew for a fact. Like, I don't know how Mitch Trubisky is going to come back just from that one touchdown. So imagine yeah. being down, like, two scores or a touchdown and a field goal. And Aaron Rodgers is more than capable of doing that. He showed it last year when he did that halftime comeback against the Bears. Yeah. What do you think of his performance? And do you think he needs to get accumulated with this offense since he didn't play much in the preseason or under Lafleur's game plan, except for being in practice or joint practice? Yeah, I mean, see, it's going to be a little unfair because when I look at the numbers, they're they're not great. Two hundred three yards and a touchdown. I mean, he didn't throw any picks. He he threw. Pro- he had a little bit under over a fifty percent completion percentage. I mean. They're not bad numbers, but I'd say for Aaron Rodgers' caliber, it's it's not great. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of uh, – it's kind of not right to say that, but that's kind of where I'm at, where I feel like his numbers, for him, like you expect more out of him, especially like to put up one touchdown, only have 10 points on offense. I know the Bears' defense is really good, but I feel like you, you expect more out of Aaron Rodgers. And I feel like the main problem is that really they have Devontae Adams as a receiver, and he does, he hasn't really clicked with the other receivers yet. I feel like, you know, he used to have Devontae Adams, there was Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. Um, who was their tight end before uh, Jimmy Graham? What was it? Uh, they had Jared Cook. Jared Cook, that's that what it was. That was a while ago, though. They, yeah, had some, so, they had Lance Kendricks, too. Yeah, so, like, he, he had, I feel like when they had more of these guys with a thinner Eddie Lacy, I feel like they, they were producing, and he really had chemistry with all these guys. I mean, you have, like, Valdez Scantling and, and some other guys – I feel like he hasn't really clicked with them yet. I feel like he he does give them looks, but it's just they're not on the same page. And I feel like Devontae Adams is really breaking out because they have more of that chemistry than the other receivers have with him. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers this game. He found a way to win, and he yeah. did it. So that's what we're looking to expect moving forward. Um, let's take a look at their backfield. I'm very conflicted here, and I mean, it's a very tough defense to go against. But Aaron Jones, 13 carries, 39 yards. I really think they need to free Aaron Jones this year. They got to get him a lot more looks. I mean, 13, 13 carries is a lot, yes. And I mean, when you're going up against that tough defensive front, it's going to be hard. But I'm expecting full on this next game that they give this guy at least t- close to t- at least 20 carries because you need he, he is your ground and pound guy, and he did, he had a pretty solid year last year towards the tail end of the season, mm-hmm. and I think he could do pretty solid moving forward. Um, whenever they give the ball to Jamal Williams, I was like, knock it off. They, I mean, really, they gave him five carries, no gain of anything. Yeah. And whenever they did give him the ball, I knew it wasn't going anywhere because what is he going to do against this defensive front? And I think yeah. Jamal Williams should be used more in the passing game, yes. Um, I feel like when they first were – they're coming out party for both of them. They're both putting up pretty solid numbers just as a running back alone. But I think Aaron Jones um, should be the guy that's getting most of the carries and uh, – yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go crazy over these two guys right now, and I'm not going to go crazy over Aaron Jones because, again, against the Bears' defensive front, it's going to be hard to put up some yards against them. He put up 40 yards, and a lot of it came up later in the game. But yeah, what do you think of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? What should happen moving forward with these two? Yeah, I think Aaron Jones is the guy. I think it showed with – I mean, I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, and I don't know how these defenses are going to end up performing in the next coming weeks. Nobody knows, but I feel like this might have been one of their toughest – defenses that they're going to face in terms of uh like you know rushing the the quarterback rushing the the running back like that uh, run defense i feel like this is gonna be one of the toughest defenses they face and to come out of there with 
like 30 something yards that's i mean i know you got 13 carries but to come out of there with almost like basically 40 yards it's that's not bad especially since they weren't i mean at some points i feel like they weren't trying to run the clock out they were trying to actually score so they weren't looking to just run the game the whole uh, run the ball the whole game so I feel like to go 40 yards, it's not bad against this team. I mean, Jamal Williams had none. So I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I think he would most benefit from being in a run-first offense. And here's why. Because you'd like him to throw each and every play, yes. But he's throwing to guys like Scantling and guys like Robert Tanyan, who I didn't know until this game, and then Trevor Davis and Mercedes Lewis, who we know. And, you know, um, I think Geronimo Allison was taken out in the game, but he didn't get much looks. But they're, they're going to look to him in the, in the deep game. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I feel I just feel as though it's going to open things up more for Aaron Rodgers when he needs to throw. I feel like his quality in what in in his his throwing should come from how things happen in the run game. So if Aaron Ro- Aaron Jones is getting him two first downs on two carries, he's going to be able to throw to like Jimmy Graham and Scantling, of course, and Adams. Like this game, we weren't going to look to Adams a lot because again, their secondary is pretty solid on the Bears. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. When you have to throw a lot, they know exactly who you're going to try to throw to. Yeah. And, I mean, he was covered by three guys at one point in the game, I think, Devontae yeah. Adams, right? So, I feel like if you if you really let Aaron Jones free, Devontae Adams is going to get a lot more work. You're going to be able to spread the ball out a lot more. It's going to be nicer. And, I, I think, and that's a very vague way to look at things. But, I mean, I mean it's true. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I, def- mean, I, see Aaron, I see Aaron Rodgers doing a lot better if Aaron Jones gets the amount of workload that he should get. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of what I was hinting at before when I was saying with, you know, Jordy and Randall Cobb and, and Devontae Adams and some of these other guys that he used to have that he, he built more connections with, and they obviously got further along. Um, he won a Super Bowl with Green Bay, but, you know, in the past couple years, they've made it to the playoffs with those guys. Um, I feel like it's because there was more of those threats, and they were running the ball, and then there wasn't one guy that he was really focused on and zoning in on to throw the ball to where they could triple cover one guy. Because, you know, let's just say, let's forget Adams for a second. Let's just say there's there's Randall Cobb and there's Jordy Nelson. I mean, you can't triple one and leave one guy almost in a huge mismatch. Like, that would not work. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Whereas this situation, you could triple Adams and well, who, what else is, like, you can't, what are you expecting out of the other receivers? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we'll run through their uh, receiving game a little bit. I mean, again, we mentioned their defense before. It's pretty nice. We're going to see a lot more from them later on. I'm looking to see a lot from Rashawn Gary and all these other guys that they got involved too. Like mm-hmm. Darius Smith and Adrian Amos, of course, who we saw have that one interception. But he had a pretty nice sort of Mar- uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, he, that's one of my favorite names to say, by the way. Um, but he had four receptions, 52 yards. Um, he averaged 13 per catch, and that was because that one pass downfield that set them up for the first score. Yeah. Um, was to Scantling. Um, so I thought that was very nice. And then Devontae Adams was pretty much covered all game long. He had four receptions, 36 yards, but we're looking to see some more out of him later on in the season. Jimmy Graham had the one touchdown in the game. Uh, do you think he's looking to be more of a red zone target coming into this year, or do you think Jimmy Graham is the Jimmy Graham of old where – I mean, not of old. I mean, old Jimmy Graham is one of the most dominant tight ends in the league. But now he's kind of fallen off, I would say. He's getting up there in age, mm-hmm. and he's been bouncing around a little bit. He's kind of signing with teams on short deals, and he's with Aaron Rodgers, so everyone thought he was going to get a lot of workload. Do you think now this year is the year they finally looked him in the end zone he's going to be a solid target in there? Well, I mean, I think in terms of where he strived, he strived in New Orleans, and I don't like – I mean, a lot of people are saying that's because of the Drew Brees effect where – it was just Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and he really made him the way he was. But I think that 
he has another really great possible Hall of Fame quarterback throwing to him now. Um, and he I has mean, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. They're three pretty solid they, yeah, quarterbacks they, to, they to get the ball from. They so. definitely are. But I feel like what happened with Seattle is they had, as we mentioned, they had a ton of running backs. They were really, really, really pushing for a run-first offense. So when you have that push, he's in there more for blocking. He's not in there for big receptions, big plays. In New Orleans, he would you would throw Hail Marys to him and he would come down with them. Like that yeah. he was looked at as basically a receiver. I mean on the Seahawks, they every every week they pray they like told everyone in like a reporters or mm-hmm. anyone asking about Jimmy Graham, if there was questions about Jimmy Graham, that they would say that we're trying to target him in the in the in the end in the red zone, and I think we're trying to utilize him in the scoring in our scoring packages and try to get him the ball, and it just didn't work out. So, I don't know. I feel like I I feel like this year I I don't want to be too excited about him just yet. I mean, it was a pretty tough game for both teams, and they're lucky to get a touchdown in the first place. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see moving forward though. What yeah. I mean, I I think he has. It's promising. This is this is more promising than it has been since he's been on New Orleans. So it's a good step for him. Um, so yeah, so let's jump into the next game here. Actually, you pick this next game. I got a bunch of games on the computer right now. But pick, what's pick a game you game. want to go over? Pick a game. Oh, the oh, mouse is already oh, on I'll it. Go. So very nice. I, I feel like I, it was I have meant a lot to, to be. Say about this All one. right. So Chris <laughs> is a Falcons fan, as we mentioned for a lot of episodes. So just to give some background here, um, this isn't going to be a, a very exciting uh, conversation we're going to oh, have no, right now. no, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we have the Minnesota Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings won 28-12. Um, the Atlanta Falcons are starting the season 0-1 again, like last year. So that's fun. And then the Minnesota Vikings 1-0. And I have a lot to talk about with them, but I know we got a lot of ground to cover with the Falcons. So let's jump into, the, into their game, okay? So I, I just wanted to say this before you say anything about any – anything about what you saw in this game that you were disappointed in if you were to just look at the stats as a casual you know football watcher who you know maybe isn't watching red zone or they just watch one game at a time if you look at this game on paper it's not bad offensively it really isn't because you have Matt Ryan of course there's the two touchdowns and the two interceptions but you got Calvin Ridley the ball and Julio Jones in the end zone and you're thinking oh okay but there's a lot of places where things go wrong, but not a bad game on paper at all. I think fantasy-wise as well, it wasn't a bad game no, for not, a lot of players. Not bad. But in reality, this was a pretty bad showing by yes. the Falcons coming and, out week one. Oh, definitely. And I feel like um, a decent amount of those stats did come at the uh, at the end of the game where it kind of really wasn't you know, a big... A big indicator, like the defense was kind of like whatever. We're up twenty-eight, nothing. Like they they started to give a little bit, so some of the stats came out of there too. But it was, oh, it was just. If you look on paper, like between the stats of these teams, you would think that Atlanta destroyed Minnesota because their their I, stats look so much more, like so much more appealing. I mean, right away, Matt Ryan, thirty-three for forty-six, three hundred four yards, two touchdowns, and then obviously the two interceptions, like we mentioned. Um, what what else can you ask for? 300 yards and you're putting up 12 points. I mean, it's a, it's a rough showing and it doesn't help that in the backfield that you have Devontae Freeman fumbling the ball. And I I don't think after those 8 carries and 19 yards that they were going to give him the ball again, so they just kind of tried utilizing Edo Smith later on. Mm-hmm. I have a big question for you here. And I'm going to let you take it away in a second because I just realized the AC's on and it's really loud. <laughs> so oh, I'm, nice. so I'm going to shut that off. But I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to preface the question preface the question with this and you take it away. Devontae Freeman fumbles. It's kind of his first year back after that injury last year. He played, mm-hmm. I think it was five, I think after five, what, did he start 
the season healthy and then after the fifth game he got injured or was it I forgot how it was. Um, I believe he got injured in like the first or second game. Was out for a couple games. Then came back, came and, got back and got hurt again, and then was out for the season. It was something along those lines. Yeah. Yes, but Devontae Freeman, Edo Smith. I feel like Edo Smith is going to give Devontae Freeman a run for his money here, and it's upsetting because I have Devontae Freeman on my fantasy team, and I'm sure <laughs> he was taken by a lot of people right around where I was be- where I was drafting people. Again, I won our fantasy team last year, so I'm on the back end of every single round. Mm-hmm. and the beginning of every round, so Devontae Freeman's going to fall to me at some point, and why not take him? I, I feel like this is, again, they play 13 games inside a dome. I'm going to mention this every week. It's very mind-boggling that they have 13 games inside a dome and only three outside. So I'm expecting a lot of, you know, pretty solid games out, out of out of uh, Atlanta. If they're used to playing inside all the time, um, they should be able to put up numbers regardless of anything. If, if weather is not a factor in your game, like, I mean, we're, we're talking... There was a game this week. I forgot which one it was. I think it was the one in Tampa. It was 120 degrees out or something like that. Something crazy. Like with humidity oh, and everything. Yeah, the, yeah. the index is pretty Miami bad. Miami and Tampa. Yeah, yeah. Miami. Uh, no, Miami. Yeah. Were they both in Florida? My, was Miami home? I'm blanking I thought, out. I thought my... Uh, I think Miami. Yeah, it was in Miami. I, think, I, I was going to say, I think Miami was, was home. Yeah. And what was the Tampa and 49ers game? They're both red, so I was like not paying yeah. attention. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Either way, <laughs> one, of the, one of those games was extremely hot, and the Falcons don't have to deal with it. Um, I was I'm expecting. I, I was really expecting coming into this year, and we have yet another 15 games to see what happens. That Devontae Freeman, I thought this is a year where he could lead the league in rushing touchdowns, possibly. And yeah. I think that's it's still up. It's still up for debate whether or not that's going to happen. And I think there's still a big possibility. Um, but again, he's coming off injuries. Give him the benefit there. What do you think of this backfield moving forward as I go turn this off? Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting because since Freeman has really been in the league, he had to share the backfield. He had Coleman. I mean, Freeman was the dominant back. Coleman came in every once in a while. He would come in more as a passing back. But Freeman was the dominant guy. Um, I feel like Ito Smith, Dan Quinn was very high on, on him. Last year he played a little bit more since you know he was kind of the backup to the backup in terms of Coleman he was going in when Coleman was coming out um and, and Dan Quinn really he's high on this guy but it kind of showed I mean he had, he had six carries for 31 yards that's not bad considering you like you said Freeman had 20 carries uh, 20 yards eight carries and he had a fumble I mean, I mean again after the fumble they're they're it's, yeah it's tough to give it back to the guy who just fumbled for you and you kind of have to ease it in with Devontae Freeman. You can't just give him the giant workload right away, I guess. I guess. I yeah, guess. I, I mean... I, I But it's not his backfield for the taking. Like, like I don't think Devontae Freeman is a guy where you come into the season, like he's coming off injuries, and you're like, hey, it's his backfield. Yes, you gave him that massive extension after the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Yeah. But I still don't see him as the guy where... All right, he's officially back. He's fully healthy. We're giving him the workload. He is our guy. If we're go- and if we're close to the end zone and he has the opportunity to be given the ball and hit hit the end zone, we're giving it to him. Mm-hmm. As of right now, I don't see that. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see it either. And I don't know if it goes back to you know knowing Dirk Cutter as he, in terms of his past coaching, he's been more of a pass first kind of guy I don't know if it has anything to do with that but I he just really hadn't didn't put up any great numbers the last game I know they were behind so they got to pass more in order to try to catch back up you can't be affording to waste all that time when you're down you know 14 nothing really really early in the game but he really Freeman wasn't really in much after that fumble 
I mean, you're the one that told me when that fumble happened that Devontae Freeman ended up coming out with the ball or something like that. Is yeah. that what you saw? I, I, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I watched. I was watching the game. It wasn't on Red Zone. I was watching the actual game because I have the Sunday ticket to where I can watch whatever game I want. Yeah, I saw the replay on Red Zone. So I'm, I'm watching it, and I could not tell. Like, I see the ball. The ball came out, definitely. Like, you see that replay. Yes. You can see the ball come out, and then it's a huge scramble. And they, the, the refs are standing over the pile. They're looking, and they're they're not making a call. And it's it's like everyone's waiting for this call. And then they, they throw, they go, Minnesota's ball, and Freeman's standing there with the ball. So how how did you make that judgment that it's Minnesota's ball? If he has the ball and he's standing out of the pile, what are you looking at? <laughs> what are you looking at? I mean, I mean this <laughs> this game from the jump. I mean, we could look at it this way. Like we could we could look at the Falcons team and say yes, they had a bad game. But right at, right off the gate, you saw that there was that there was the punt block. Yeah, and and, and the funny thing about that is I was with Mark, and as Matt Bosher is about to punt, I go. You know what's a weird, weird stat about this guy? He has the most blocked punts in the league. That always and then happens. What happens? Yep. It gets blocked, and I and that was it. I was like, I should not have said anything. And I, I think that's when the Vikings really took over. They're just they, they came out hype. That's going to get you excited. And then oh, when yeah. when, thing, when push comes to shove for the Falcons and things start going downhill, it's just going to keep going downhill. So I think this is a bad week one. I think they got more work to do. I feel like they have a lot of history of going own one in the first in the week. last four years. They've had they some bad week times. one games. So, yeah. So they definitely do. I mean, not good. The, the one thing I know week one, it's week one. There's a lot of time to improve. I'm not trying to get, you know, too on them and, and getting too nervous, too anxious about this. Uh, but the one thing that really, really, really got me worried was that we took so much time investing in this offensive line and you're waiting for the payoff. Play, you're the waiting. The first play was a sack. <laughs> that is not what you want. When the first play of the game, you just bought all these guys. You know, you bring in Jamon Brown, James Carpenter. You draft two linemen Lindstrom in the first and, round. Yeah. You have an All-Pro center in Alex Mack. Jake Matthews made it to the Pro Bowl last year. And in the first play, there's a sack, and this is what you've been praising all offseason, that we're yeah, fixing anything, the offensive if line. If anything, that line right now should be the least of your troubles, and unfortunately, it was the most of your troubles as soon as you went in. Exactly. Um, so that's unfortunate. But let's look at their receiving here. So Austin Hooper, nine receptions, 77 yards. I like that out of him because, you know, he starts off game – I feel like every year he starts off the first couple of weeks with these types of stats, and he, he just falls off. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to stick with that stat right now. I mean, after week four, if that dips off, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, Calvin Ridley reached the end zone, four receptions, 64 yards. Expect him to be utilized a lot. We went over that in our, our preview of this division. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, Muhammad Sanu, five receptions, 57 yards. Um, Justin Hardy even got the ball. Four receptions, 41 yards. Don't, so, don't, don't ask me don't, why. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not even going to touch on him a lot. You'll see games like that sometimes. But, and and the know, worst part is... He was is, just spreading out the ball like a normal quarterback would do. Yeah, but... but No, 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 no. This was on Dirk Cutter. This was not on Matt Ryan. Yeah. There were... I'm, I'm watching the game, and this is when we were still relatively in it. Like, it's 14 nothing. By no means in the first quarter, that's out of hand. No, you can definitely come back from that. You, you just have to have a good offensive drive, you know, get some points, even if it's a field goal, and have a good defensive stand, and then go from there. Like, you can come back from a 14-0 game. It's not impossible. And and I'm watching the game, and I'm like, where's Julio? Where's where's Ridley? Where's Sanu? You got Russell Gage out there, Justin Hart. Like, what are you doing? I understand you don't want you got to give guys breaks and you can't have them out there every yeah, they down. Got some but, weird, they got some weird packages for these guys. I don't know what is, what's going on. Like, what is happening? 
and there was one play, the one where Matt Ryan threw a uh, he threw an interception in the end zone, and he was trying to throw it away, but it ended up not getting far enough. And there was also Luke Stocker was supposed to be there, and he just didn't go for the ball, so it ended up getting picked off. But that whole line, like a reporter, actually went up to Dirk Cutter and said, "Why? Like, why was it's it's a you're on like the, the inside the five yard line? Why is Julio not out there? Why is Freeman not out there? Why is Ridley? Why are none of these guys like Sanu? None of them were out there." And his his uh, his wording was, well, we saw that the defense had some big guys out there, so uh, we we put went with our big package, and and everybody's response was, defense does not dictate what you put out there. You dictate what the defense puts out there. If you have all these big guys out there, that's a, that's one more reason why you should put out someone like you know Sanu, Ridley, Julio, because they're gonna be a mismatch. A mismatch. Why would you not do that? Like, yeah. And then it and then it ends up being an interception, and, and we lose that whole possession. We could have gotten at least three points out of that because we were inside like the five yard line. It was. I mean, I mean, weird. at the end of the day, Julio Jones got into the end zone at least. He had the six receptions, thirty-one yards, yeah. and right before Week One started, he did get it. He get he did get his extension. Yep. I think he's officially the, the highest before. paid receiver is, in the league. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, what were you expecting at that point? I mean, I, he we knew he was going to get his money, and they got it done before Week One started. I mean. Oh yeah. I don't know what else you want to touch on for. The, the the Falcons, honestly, it was it's just, just watching that offense was a little tough. It was uh, defensively. What do you think? Because again, last year a lot of injuries to that defense. Yeah. So funny enough, again, early on in the game, we, as uh, as we've mentioned, you know, the Cardinals now have Robert Alford, meaning we got rid of him. We don't have him anymore. He was our other corner across from Desmond Trufant, and he, he's been on the team for a little while. He he made it to the Super Bowl with us, like he. And that year, he was actually the main guy because Trufant went down with an injury. So he is a he's a solid corner. I mean, yeah, he had some issues with penalties and he got beat, but he, he was a solid corner. Now we have Isaiah Oliver in there, who is a now second year. He was a rookie last year, and he didn't get much playing time last year. He really was not in too much. He didn't have a lot of game time experience. And he had a tough task of going up against Adam Thielen. And the first drive, Thielen gets that touchdown, and I said, you need to double him. We need to get shift that coverage to help him out. He is going to have a tough time covering Thielen. This is his yeah. first game. He is not by any means an elite shutdown corner. He's he's young. He's he doesn't have much game experience. He has to get into the groove. And I'm like, we need to shift the package so that we are covering Thielen because he's going to destroy us. And that is exactly what happened. They did not adjust at all to that matchup. I don't know. Why we'll get to the to the stats? Do they have it up of what Thielen did. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Where so he, he it's had, right here. He had two, uh, three receptions, forty-three yards, and a touchdown. Again, I mean, Kirk Cousins didn't throw the ball more than ten times. So he did exactly. So for him to get, he he had three receptions. He had a touchdown. He averaged fourteen point three yards per catch. Like that, he that was the guy. That was who they were going to. And and Diggs had not much less yards, and he had the same thing. Like he, I just it was. It was a it was tough for our secondary. I mean, Deion Jones is coming back. Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen, both our safeties, are coming back from from big injuries. So you expect a little bit of a slower start, especially since they didn't play much in preseason. But it was just it was upsetting to watch. It was not what the Falcons organization, the head coaches, it is not what they were prepping us for. They prepped us for the complete opposite. 
I mean, we'll jump into the Vikings offense here. I think it's the most intriguing out of this whole game because, again, Kirk Cousins didn't throw more than 10 times. I can't stress that enough. Um, but he had eight completions out of those 10. He had 98 yards, one touchdown, so he didn't throw more than 100 yards and still won the game. And I think the big X factor from this game is this guy named Dalvin Cook. Yep. In the preseason, he was putting up some numbers. Again, he had that large – he had that giant run um, against the Cardinals, I think, in the last week of the preseason – if I'm not mistaken, or the week before. But he had 21 carries, 111 yards, 5 yards, 5.3 yards per carry, and uh, two touchdowns. I think if this guy's healthy, um, their, off- their offensive coordinator, uh, Kevin Stefanski, is going to utilize him in the run game a lot. Because last year, that's how John DiFilippo got fired. He mm-hmm. apparently, Mike Zimmer and him had a talk and thought he was going to be more run first. Mike Zimmer likes to run the ball. And again, mind you, Pat Shermer, when he was there, was a run first you know, guy as well. And now he has Saquon Barkley, so... That's what happens. And, again, Dalvin Cook, when he is healthy, that he should be a big help for Kirk Cousins in the long run. And, I, I mean, it did. I mean, Kirk, Kirk Cousins didn't throw a lot, but giving it to Dalvin Cook, he got the, he got the amount of um, – he got the amount of work he should have gotten, and he utilized that workload as much as he could. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess one of the last comments that I will make on this very, very disappointing game – I have many things to say, but this is it. This is where I'll end it with in terms of not talking about player stats. I will end it that the most disappointing thing I would say about this game for me was that, like I said, the offensive line was an issue last year, and we had they said that we improved on that, and our run defense was also a, a little bit of an issue. And you figure by uh, by giving Grady Jarrett, who also got an extension this offseason, by, by giving him that and keeping him around, and you know Vic Beasley has been on and off, but Dan Quinn has been working with him and Tack, you figure, all right, like they, they, they improved. And they're saying, oh, we improved on the, the run game and the offensive line. And those two were our biggest weaknesses that game. The, the, Dalvin Cook had 111 yards and two touchdowns on the, the ground, and we gave up probably like four, five sacks. Like that's yeah. just to, to sit here and, and to try and say this whole offseason, that is what you're fixing, and to have your first game to come out like that, it's just disappointing because that was, that was your – primary focus those are your primary focuses in the offseason and now i wouldn't even say it was a glimpse better i mean yeah i mean just to kind of cap off on what's going on on the receiving side of the ball for the vikings i mean you had uh, the Thielen issue that you mentioned before i won't get into that but he ended up getting into the end zone regardless mm-hmm. um stefan Diggs, two receptions 37 yards he was on the injury report coming to this game and historically i think there was a stat out there that said whenever stefan Diggs is on the injury report and he does play he doesn't get as much work yeah um so I, saw that. I mean but when he isn't he should be good um not much else going on they didn't get to kevin rudolph a lot again didn't run the ball a lot it was the devin cook show yeah so that's it. Is there anything else you want to cap on the game? You pretty much tussed on everything because yeah, we got think, a lot of games to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, what do you want next? I'm gonna give. It, I'm gonna let you take this one here. There's oh, a this, lot of this good will, games. This will be a fun game to talk about. All right, let's talk about Titans Browns. Okay, so I would have never expected this to be a final score for Week One, but no. uh, the Tennessee Titans won this one, uh, 43 to 13. Titans are one and zero. Browns are zero and one to start the season, and. Do you think the hype is getting to the Browns, or do you think week one is just week one? I mean, week one is definitely one of those weird instances where you don't know what's going to come out because, you know, if you look at last year off of week one, week two, week three, the Bucks were undefeated. The The Panthers were undefeated, and then these teams ended up not really doing much after that, for example, and, and they had, like, ended up with, like, four or five wins each. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, the, the first couple weeks are definitely interesting. And I know that's a small case. I just named two out of all the other teams in the NFL. Those are just off the top of my head because they're in division. I remember 
that these guys would do this. But I, I mean, I think it's really once it comes to like week four or five, they say if you really, if you're like 0 and 4, I think the chances of you making the playoffs are like slim to none. So at that point, if you're 0 and 4, like that's really where it matters. They have a like big possibility of having a pretty bad record going to their first four weeks. Yeah, yeah but they got but, a tough schedule. But that's the them. thing. Like them right now, I wouldn't really worry. When Jets on prime time, they're coming off a pretty bad loss. You don't yeah. know if they, you know. One of those teams is going to leave there to 0 and 2. It could be the yeah, Browns. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's definitely. I wouldn't hit the panic button yet on the Browns, but this is one of those teams where everybody was expecting, as you mentioned, there was all this hype. Everybody was expecting so much out of them. And I feel like there was just this huge expectation. And in reality, yes, they have a lot of good players. They have some some superstars now, and they've they've gotten some people in free agency and drafting. And you expect the team to be better, especially with like a new head coach or whatever. But it's still a new head coach. They're still getting new to the system. They're still new players. They did a lot of off-season moves. So you you have to. It's going to take time. They're not going to just all mesh well, really, to get like right away. That's not going to happen. So I feel like this was one of those games where the Browns needed this. They definitely needed this because for the first time in probably five, six years, they came into the season expecting a win. Yeah. In the last few years, right. they didn't expect anything. So they have not handled this. If there's somebody, which I don't think there really is, that they might be like a handful of guys that have been on the team since you know the last three or four years. I don't think there's too many. They keep trading guys in and out. Uh, but if if that was if they were on that team during that time, they they weren't even expecting anything. And to go into week one, the the Browns expecting a win like that. It's been a while since that happened. So I feel like yeah, they just didn't. It 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 was just this high expectation, and I feel like you know you don't want to lose forty three to thirteen. That's a it's a rough way to lose, but it was, I mean, there's still a whole 15 weeks. They, they could still make it up. Gotcha. Uh, so let's jump into the Titans offense here. So on paper, Marcus Mariota had f- a pretty solid game. I mean, yeah. he had 14 for 24, 248 yards, three touchdowns. One of those was the uh, breakout run by Derrick Henry. Um, he had the mm-hmm. one reception for 75 yards. A lot of people think there was an holding call that wasn't called, but... They reviewed it, I think. I think they did review it for that. Yeah, and uh, it didn't happen. So, I mean, it counted, but uh, Marcus Mariota, I'm going to pump the brakes on him for a little bit because this guy still has a lot to prove. It's a contract year, so this is a good yep. way to start off, again, on paper. Yes? Yeah. You're not going to get a lot of one rece- one catch for 75 yards a lot moving forward. So, I mean, as long as the turnover's... St- you know, you know they, they they just hold off on that a little bit. I mean, if Marcus Mariota can kind of work on that a bit, he's got weapons to work with. Um, he'll be okay. But I'm not high on Marcus Mariota this year. Him, I, I, yeah. neither him or Jameis. But see, I mean, I think that this game was a perfect example of when the Titans actually utilize their team. And Derrick Henry. Yes. When they Whenever yes. they use Derrick Henry, That's exactly they they ha- they're fine. That's exactly what I mean. When you utilize your team. You cannot expect Mariota to go out there and throw it 20, 30 times a game and not throw an interception or not, you know, he's forcing the ball at that point because they're down and he just wants to make plays. He's going to throw an interception when you're you're down and you're forcing the play like that. When you have Derrick Henry who's going out there and, you know, he, he's making these massive plays, this is why, and I know you questioned me on this, this is why I drafted him. I was just going to talk about you and him in fantasy. I, Dude, the past, like, three years, he's on your fantasy team. And I'm I always kn- like, why does he do <laughs> yeah. this? And I think this year is going to be your big payoff. Yes, finally, yes, I think it's going to be your payoff. Because I've watched him for the last few years, and last year it was, what, like, week like 12 or 14 when they finally used him? Yeah. And he had, like, that 100. It was a Monday night game we were here, or Sunday night, whatever, and, and he went off. I've never seen a running back or a player where... The idea from fans is 
if he's if he's beautiful if he's utilized and everyone knows this your team is going to win and everyone knows that it, people knew that before the jaguars game people weren't expecting that before you know mm-hmm. much before because the, the the mo was that they weren't going to use him and try to use Deion lewis and i remember the second Deion lewis got signed i was very upset because he was coming off that year where um, they did beat the Chiefs in that one playoff round, right? And I think in the first wild card game or something Titans, like that. That's yeah. when Alex Smith was quarterback at the time. That was when uh, uh, for I the think, Chiefs. Isn't that when Mariota threw the pass to himself? Yes, that was the game. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, they won that one. Derrick Henry went off on the ground too. So why not keep using him? Guy's huge and but, he's extremely fast. But but that's that is why like last year in my head I thought no brainer. Like they have to use him. He is they know what he can produce. He's this big guy. Why you'd be dumb not to use him? They were dumb. They didn't use him. Until the end of the season, and then they started winning. And I thought in my head, I mean, I know again, it was a big risk. I've been picking this guy up, but I said every year. I said there is no you way. You probably drafted him early too. I drafted him second or third round. <laughs> oh yeah, way too early. <laughs> and in my head, I said there is no way. You probably could have picked someone else, and he still would have fell to you. Right? Definitely. But I said there is no way that they do not utilize this guy after what he did for them at the end of the season last year. There's no way he's not their primary back. And uh. From week one, I know there's still a long time to go, but from week one, it looks promising. It looks promising. They might have learned a little bit. I mean, almost 20 carries. That's pretty solid. I mean, if it was like 10 carries and you kind of give like Deion Lewis like five or set five to seven, It'd be I risky. would be a little questionable. But, you know, Deion Lewis, only th- three carries for seven yards. That's the way it should be. Um, and I know yes. you want to utilize Deion Lewis in the backfield. He was pretty solid with the pa- with the uh, Patriots. Mm-hmm. But again, that's the Patriots. You can give it off to Rex Burkhead. You can give it to James White. You can give it to Sony Michelle. These guys are going to get some They'll solid it, yardage. Yeah. They have a great offensive line, and it, it didn't. You saw that it didn't work last year. Um, I definitely think utilizing him in the passing game is going to help you. And it, and Derrick Henry could even be used in the passing game too. It'll throw some uh, defenses off. But again, Derrick Henry, 19 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Can't ask for much more from him. And uh, moving forward to the receiving game, a lot of people that. A lot of people didn't expect a guy like AJ Brown to have three receptions, three receptions and 100 yards. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are especially high on him now. Again, a lot of overreactions, but this guy is a bigger wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He can get the ball, and again, with the amount of work he was given, he made the most out of it. Yeah. Three receptions and 100 yards. I mean, do you see him as a a wide, a bigger wide receiver help for Mariota moving forward? Because again, you guys have you have a guy like Corey Davis who didn't get any work, and he was their first round pick again. I think like two years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'd say with their receiving core, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't go as so far to say it's one of the best in the the league, but they have a on paper they look they have good guys. They definitely have good receivers. You know, you got Brown who you just talked about. Delaney Walker's a tight end. He's, he's back a, from injury. He's solid. He's always solid when he's he's on the field. He got in the end zone twice, five receptions, fifty five yards. Exactly. That's I mean tight end numbers. Corey Davis, as you just talked about, he's good. He's definitely shown it in the last year or so. He's he's a good he can do it. They just need to, you know, incorporate him uh, was it Tajay Sharp? Is that who that is? He's, I mean sometimes right. sometimes they use him, but he, they just right. signed Adam Humphreys to help him out in the slot. Exactly, and so. I mean, I feel like they, they have weapons, and with Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, they, they have weapons. Now, it's again, it's kind of like what we were saying with Trubisky. It, it's it's up to you now, Mariota. Like, you have the weapons, now now go. And unlike the Bears, in, in the Titans situation, he went. He, he did it. They That offense got 43 points. That's, that's a good start for them. I mean, there's a whole season left ahead. There's a lot of time for things to change, but starting off on the right foot, he's doing well. I'm impressed. And even defensively for the Titans, it was pretty solid. Cameron Wake got his first, um, not his first, but his hundredth career sack, um, and yeah. which was also a safety to B- Baker Mayfield, um, which I thought was a pretty solid 
pre- pretty solid tackle. I remember there was a lot of replays on Twitter about him, but you also have Logan Ryan with an interception. You have Malcolm Butler with an interception, and Kevin Bard is in, with an interception. All three of those guys have high expectations each and every year. Mm-hmm. Kevin Barr just got that massive extension. Malcolm Butler was supposed to be brought over by the Patriots because um, b- both he, he both he was a very highly anticipated, you know, you know, wide receiver. Uh, no, wide receiver. What am I saying? Free agent. <laughs> free. I, th- I think he was a free agent. He wasn't traded. I don't think. But um, that last year when he was in the Super Bowl you with benched him, they they didn't play him at all. So uh, people were expecting him to have a pretty solid year coming over. Isn't he, Logan he had Ryan a pretty down year. Also a former Patriot. That's what I'm saying. They're both yeah. Patriots, and you have Mike Vrabel, who was also a previous yeah, he's Patriot, a Patriot coach. Yeah. yeah, and um, and yeah, man. Uh, no, he was he played for them. He played. Right? He was a linebacker. Yeah, for them, he yes. played for them. Yeah. Um, so he knows how to utilize these guys, and they're they're putting in the work. I was I'm, I, all the numbers I'm seeing here is the things I'm. Are they're the nice. I'm expecting. Yeah. I mean, I I like it. And and I mean Logan Ryan, as you, it shows here, he had an interception. He also had one and a half sacks. One and a half sacks. That's, that was crazy. That's, yeah, that's, that's a wow. crazy game from Logan Ryan. That's that's a great. That's game. That's a real good start to his season. I mean, and again, Cameron Wake two and a half. Yeah, that's that's in, that's that's uh, what you want to see when you're when you're looking at this team as a whole. They played very well as a whole. Their defense played great, and their offense played. Well, great. They they did great, and that's why they. You can't complain with forty three points. points on the board. No. That is a phenomenal game by the Titans. Um, I don't know if moving forward we're going to see that, but this is a pretty solid showing. If they Very won like twenty one to thirteen, it's going. Eh. Yeah, you but know, forty three. You put up points, they and you didn't hold back. Yeah, they proved the point here that you know maybe this is a year where they can actually compete in that division again. Andrew Luck's out. Yeah, I mean, um, Nick Foles is probably out for the season. They have a shot here. Yeah, I mean, we're I mean, saying we're they got to compete with the Texans now, but yeah, and and they we'll get to that. They look good, but we'll we'll say it's it, it's in their hands. They as long as they keep performing well, like they did as a complete team, I think they have a good shot. And let's take a look at the Browns here. So Baker Mayfield, twenty five for thirty eight, two hundred eighty five yards, a touchdown, and the three picks, like we mentioned before, to those three guys on the Titans defense. What did you think? A pretty bad showing by Baker Mayfield. But at the same time, you did lose one of your tackles because he kicked the other player, so he was ejected, and then yeah. there was another, you know, issue that happened. Like, they're all, they're all, their offensive line didn't look too great, this yeah, showing here. So it also, wasn't going to help uh, him. They also lost Zeitler to you guys during one of the trades, so that's yeah. a big loss. That, I them. thought that was a win by us, to be honest <laughs> yeah, no, with that's, you. For to them, get, I'm saying it was bad. To get Zeitler, hey, for them it's bad. To, but to get Zeitler... From that Odell trade, I think that was one of the better choices to get out of there because yeah, they need yeah, help yeah. on the offensive line. Again, Definitely. losing Odell is awful, but um, again, not a great showing by their offensive line. I give, I do give Baker the benefit. Um, yeah, I mean, because he he's a great player, and I think moving forward, he he has the weapons. There's, he didn't really have much excuses last year either. Yes, he's a rookie, but yeah. he put up some pretty solid numbers with players like Rashad Higgins and what who they have Rashad Breeland too. Who am I? No, I'm, oh, I'm um, totally messing up his name. They had Jarvis. They had Higgins. Um, they had Higgins. Did they have Coleman last year or was he on the Giants? Did they have Coleman? He was on the Giants. He was on the Giants last year. They had Callaway. But Antonio Callaway was good. But they had one more player. I think it was Brashad. Perriman? Perriman. That's who it is. Why am I saying Brashad Breeland? Yeah, he's a, he's a corner. He's he is a corner. <laughs> 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 they have the same name, that's all. Wow, yeah. big mistake by me there. But, uh... Yeah, in their backfield, Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 75 yards. Expect some more work from him, especially over the next couple of weeks until Kareem Hunt comes back. I think he comes um, back like week eight or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Do you think – Nick? Do, how do you think that backfield's going to work when he comes back? They're both like 
running back ones. I know. On the they, same they team. Are. Um, I hate when that happens, by the way. <laughs> Especially fantasy-wise. I was just going to say, do? it makes it very what hard. What do you do? I, I, that's going to be a tough decision come week one. I think it, what it really... What is really going to happen right now is they're going to kind of have the audition for Nick Chubb right now for these next few weeks until week eight when Kareem Hunt is able to come back. If Chubb is dealing, I feel like how are you going to take the hot hand out? You can obviously, you're obviously not going to not play Kareem Hunt. He's showed what he can do, but I feel like you're not going to just pull Nick Chubb out and just be like, you're done. Like there, There's no way. If he's dealing and he's doing what he needs to do, he's doing well, you can't just take him out. I feel like then it's going to become like a split back, but if he's... Kind of struggling, he isn't doing too well. I feel like they're just going to throw Kareem in and he's going to take over. Yeah, I mean, I'm ex- I'm still expecting big numbers out of Nick Chubb, especially in the absence of Kareem Hunt right now. But yeah. when he comes back, I don't know how this offense is going to look. It's it's really strange to me. But Odell Beckham, seven receptions, 71 yards. Um, you know, first game as a Cleveland Brown. It's still weird to see him in that uniform and see him <laughs> on the field. First of all, before I even jump into how his performance was, what is this thing going on with his watch? What I- is going on? I mean, my, he's not a spokesperson for the watch. I know. So I mean, why wear it? And he was fighting against it. Like he was like, "I'm not taking it off." Yeah, the because, league just hates me. Well, yeah, because apparently, like the whole legal thing or whatever, what he's going at is it says, "Oh, it, it says you can't have something of a hard object." It doesn't say anything against jewelry. That's what it says, and that's technically he's saying a watch is jewelry, which a watch is jewelry. But well, you don't need to know the time on the field. No, and I feel like honestly, my own opinion, this is not what is I, what I. You know, I'm not saying this is the de- this is definitely what's going on. This is just my own personal opinion. I feel like he just wants attention. I heard this too on the Michael K show yesterday. How he's like, this it's just a thing. Like he he's next in line for that attention for attention, because and he wants it he, because he's. It's no secret that he's not getting the same media attention as he was. Like in you New don't York. put on that watch and you're just like, this is a necessity for me to yeah. go out there and play. <laughs> there's, there's no. He put on that watch I, like, oh, people are gonna love this. Th- I've never, like, I've done sports and everything. I've never put like. Like you know, like let's say like a watch. I ran track and I couldn't even wear a watch. You know how dumb that sounds. I ran track and cross country. I couldn't even wear a watch. Like I was not sitting here like like if I went out there and was like, oh, let me wa- put on a watch. Like there's a reason I'm putting on a watch. I'm trying to time myself. But I also played soccer. I was not like, oh man, if I don't have my watch, I'm I'm done. You don't like, need it. And the worst <laughs> part about this, and we haven't even mentioned it yet, the watch is worth almost up to two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So <laughs> people on Twitter were like, imagine like just casually playing football with two hundred two hundred grand on your wrist. <laughs> yeah, it was like two or three hundred thousand dollars. There were people commenting like he's got like a mortgage on his wrist. Like literally, <laughs> and. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, looking at that now, if he did that with the Giants, that would be that would be like it'd be ten times over more. the outlier of the loss that they had to face this week. That would have been with it, and we would have had to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like honestly, I would have taken a watch over uh, marrying a net, proposing yeah, to fighting a net. But I mean, like but, honestly, like uh, the other thing other people were saying was like. Well, don't come crying to us when your watch breaks and there's pieces all over the place. Like, that's your fault. It's kind of like when uh, Akeem Talib pulled, I think it was Crabtree, Michael Crabtree's chain, when he ripped it. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember like, that. I mean, obviously, there was a huge fight. Like, they were annoyed with each other. And it was like a, a really expensive gold chain. But, like, the whole thing, I mean, it's different, though. I feel like a lot of players, I feel like most players have gold chains on. So I feel like that's, that, yeah, I feel like that's not. That's an what issue. I'm saying. That's not an issue. But a watch, like, yeah, that's... Why? It doesn't even look right when you look at the no, picture. You're like, what is he doing? It, it, and the watch it, doesn't look 200 grand, by the way. It looks like you just picked it up at like Target. It, it looks like a plastic watch, like a little plastic that's band. What I'm like, saying. It doesn't. It does not look 
Like it's like a push start on the side. Yeah, yeah. It does not look like I'm thinking, you know, like a Rolex or something. Like, no, it does not look like that. No. So. Again, again, he's not a spokesperson, so I don't know what he's expecting out of this. But maybe he's maybe expecting it, maybe, to be the spokesperson. Maybe it is the <laughs> attention. I don't know. That's but, what uh, I assume, just based on his past. But don't quote me on that one. Yeah, but uh, again, seven receptions, 71 yards, wasn't the best game out of the Browns at all in general, especially in Baker Mayfield. But if your line isn't going, you're not going to get your wide receivers going. So. He's going to expect a lot of work out of Odell Beckham moving forward. Again, he didn't reach the end zone, so he didn't get to see his first celebration as a Brown this week. But um, yep. he's going to get his, his shots, and I think next week is where they bounce back. I think, you know, revenge game in MetLife Stadium against the Jets, I think it's it's only appropriate that that happens. But uh, just, I, I think, expect a lot of random media attention. He's gonna be back in New York for the first time. He's, he's gonna do something weird in the in the pre that, in the pregame yeah. or showing that, that's up. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's gonna, gonna show something. up in some weird outfit that like is like, disrespectful like, to the G- Giants or oh, something. Oh yeah, he's gonna yeah definitely or he'll he'll say something that'll like hint at Gettleman or someone of the Giants. Something's gonna be brought up. I it's just he's. It's him. I feel like something's just going to be said because oh, yeah. he spoke about it in the offseason. Prime no time. One was even talking about it. Prime time on Monday Night Football. Yeah, like there, he would talk about it like three months. He has after plenty the of trade. time to get something so, ready. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> he's got. He's probably thinking about it as we speak. He's probably doing something. So, probably. The, the, right. Whatever. Yeah, we have Jarvis Landry, four receptions, sixty-seven yards. Um, pretty solid workload there. Again, they have Rashad Higgins, who's going to be used in the more of the deep ball game that they used last year with him. Uh, we have David Njoku who reached the end zone for him. Uh, do you think? I mean, every year everyone's high on David Njoku, and I feel like in fantasy, I'm like I'm staying away from this guy. Do you think they finally start utilizing him? There's a lot of mouse to feed on, um, on Cleveland now, and even before they didn't have Odell yet. Yeah, I'm, using him a I'm lot. one of those people that's high on David Njoku in fantasy. You so. like him a lot. It's Njoku <laughs> so, and Derek Henry. Henry. You got something with if, those guys. If that was my team, if I had both of them on my team, I would not. Na- I would never trade anybody. Like I'd be like, nope, that's it. I don't. I, I would have him, De- Derek Henry, Julio Jones. I'm good. There you go. Is this the year they start looking at looking to him more? Like, if they haven't done um, it before, what makes you think they're going to start doing it now? Um, the 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 me rooting for the guy. Is gonna say yes. The realistic approach between all the weapons they have is no. No. <laughs> but he, I mean, he's the out of everybody that we named. Take he away, has take away the, the t- take away the touchdown. It's four receptions, thirty-seven yards. Yeah, but but he has the touchdown. Yeah. I'm not trying to advocate. I'm I'm trying. I'm staying unbiased in this situation. I'm not saying like, I don't even have him on any of my teams right now for fantasy. Yeah. But yeah, he has less yards, but he got the touchdown. He got that look. That's. I'm not saying he's going to be a breakout tight end. He's going to be the best asset on that offense, but not bad start for him if he's the one with the touchdown, not Jarvis or Odell. Or yeah, Higgins. That, that's very true. But so, um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I mean, we say all the time. A tight lot end, of we'll tight see. ends are a quarterback's best friend because they're coming off the line. So there's I mean, a lot of we'll sees after this. I week. mean, I don't know if there's much else to talk about with with this just, game. I mean, it's just let's smacked. see the Browns bounce back week two. <laughs> I think the Jets get out week zero oh and two. The Jets. I, I'll, I'll put money on that. Uh, yeah, I think the Browns are gonna. I could put I money. Think the on Browns the game. are gonna. I'm gonna do it. Who's favored right now? Let me try. Uh, to check, let me check I, I don't know because I read something and it said it was like 50-50. But that's obviously gonna change as it's I would closer. put like ten bucks or twenty bucks on the game. No, you gotta. And put, I know a lot of people. Who down, bet, a lot of people who bet out there. You gotta put down yes, a grand. You gotta put down a grand like Mark. Oh yeah, our friend put a thousand dollars on the uh, Lions Cardinals game. He got so lucky it tied. <laughs> uh he. I could see this. Sh- he was aging right in front of me. From from that game, he was stressing, but it was, <laughs> well, I'm, felt I'm awful. looking. I'm looking for this right now. Again, it's the Monday game. So I'm the Monday game. To... You're looking at the odds. Uh, ooh, oh, 
No. Oh, the Browns are favored. The Browns are favored now. I mean, minus I, three. I, I personally think the Browns are going to win. I mean, I'm not that. They don't give a shit what I say. So they're not. That gonna, means I would probably take the Jets plus three. The Jets plus three. I mean, payouts almost ten bucks. Did, did you hear a, about like all these people that were taking bets at halftime for the Jets because they were up what sixteen nothing? I did that. And. They, <laughs> I put two dollars down. I'm I mean, like, okay, but two dollars, whatever. Like, I was like, like oh, money, because the money. odds were changing. I'm like, oh, I'm still gonna get a solid payout if they win this game. Let me put the two dollars down and before halftime. Oh, don't even get me started. But I broke even with the five dollars I put in with <laughs> betting on Kansas City and all that. So and and my sister was at that game too. My older sister, she was at the game and that she was sounds like, exciting. She was like, it was awful she goes it was so upsetting to watch oh i didn't think she was rooting for anyone i thought she was just going um i i i think she's a jets fan i don't know she's talked about the jets in the past she doesn't really talk much about football but i mean look at that my dad must be proud two of the kids two of his kids that watch football are not not giants Giants fans fans. look at that but (laughs) yeah she uh she went to the game and she said it was just rough to watch but so a big game i want to go actually i don't know if do you want to segue into that game or do you want to go chiefs jags because then we're going to take a break after this because first of all i'm sweating second of all yeah there's a lot more games to cover i'd love to take a little bit of a break let's first. see what goes go through i, w- I want to talk about a oh so neither of those games all right i want to see i want to see what these we could save the giants game for a little bit um oh man oh. i'd rather touch on the s- I, those two I, last I just, two games I just, later. I just, I just want to do it. I just want to do just it. get it out of the so way. Much, oh, I have so much to say. Oh, this is like <laughs> the le- the one I least want to talk about. But oh, I'd rather get out of the way and then go to, so then to go to break. This. I'm surprised you have a lot to say. Oh, I do. I don't. Oh, then let me speak. Oh well, well, I think this is a good time to get into AB. But I want to talk about the game overall. Then yes, AB yes, after, just fine. so I want to make a segment out of it for the oh, Instagram, YouTube, and all that. By the way, that go, is fine. Go look at those pages. Like it. Follow it. Subscribe to it. Whatever you got to do. But um. We're going to jump into the Steelers and the Patriots. Um, the Patriots won 33-3. This was the primetime <laughs> game on Sunday night football. And, uh, yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 0-1. Patriots start 1-0. A lot of people bet on the Steelers to be 1-0 after this game because the Patriots oh. start slow each and every year. Wasn't expecting this, though. I mean, okay, this is this is what I had to say. And this is – so, in the past, I have nothing against – Patriots Steelers have nothing against either of these teams. But it's like a good matchup it, it, for yes, Sunday night, it, week one. It should have been a very good matchup. And in my head, I look at, like, I've been saying this probably for the last maybe like two years. Uh, not too long, but I've been saying for the last like two years with uh, with Mike Tomlin, obviously highly respected coach. He's brought his team to a I never Super thought he Bowl. should have got fired he's, last year. No, he, he's won the Super a lot Bowl of people for them. Wanted he's brought them fired. to playoffs before. He's done well. But my whole thing was that Ben and and Mike Tomlin were getting a little bit more credit than than they deserved. And my argument to that was Mike Tomlin is just letting AB do whatever he wants, like with the whole Facebook Live and everything. He, he was letting him just come to practice, and and he was like, you know, basically his last time with the Steelers, he was kind of like go home. Like I guess he got fed up with AB and he was over it. But don't get too much in AB because we'll yeah, keep yeah, that I, know, a I know, I know, segment. yeah, but, I want that to be its own little. So, segment there, but. so so you have Mike Tomlin, who's who's kind of like he's given the three Bs, like the the killer Bs as, they, as Bs. they went by. So you have all the like the like one of the best receivers, one of the best running backs, and I mean and a very very good Hall of Fame quarterback. And those That's are your main guys. So that offense is obviously going to produce. And I always like I said, you know, in terms of Antonio Brown and and AB, 
I'll, uh, I mean, Antonio Brown and Big Ben, I'll, I'll leave those two as like my main points is where I was going with this, was that I said Big Ben only puts up those numbers because of AB, and AB's numbers are like that because Big Ben throws like 50 times a game. Yeah. There's not many quarterbacks Which that do that. Which he almost did this game. Yeah, too. there's not many quarterbacks that do that. So when you're you're throwing that much, you're going to get a lot of looks, and his numbers, like, he, he leads the league, and since he's coming to the league with the most receptions by a wide receiver, like, he, I think he leads it by a lot. So... My whole thing was that the Steelers had their game plan, and their game plan worked because they had all the pieces together. And once one of those pieces breaks off, it's going to set off a chain reaction. And that's what happened. I mean, Bell wasn't... It wasn't too bad last year because you still had A.B., so James Conner was putting up the numbers. He was still doing well because there was still A.B. and Juju. Now you have no A.B. and no Le'Veon Bell, and there's no respect. I feel like they had no respect for James Conner because he only had 21 yards on 10 carries. No respect for him at all. And I feel like Juju just didn't go out there and produce the numbers that they were expecting. And that's what happens. I mean, it was just a chain reaction. This offense slowly started declining since they lost these guys. And it was known that they were going to decline. Like, you know, when you lose one of the best running backs in the league and one of the best receivers in the league, you know your team is going to have issues. Like, that's a no-brainer. But to to this extent, I was very surprised. They should be 1-1 one one going into next week, though. I, I don't think they'll end they, up 0-2. The, this, uh, I mean, I'll double-check. But I, either are, are they way. Are the Seahawks? Oh, yes, they are. They are? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. I would give it to the Steelers. I don't know. It's, it's Bro, the Seahawks barely went out unscathed against the Bengals. Yeah, but, but this is the thing. It's week one. New coach, new. I don't. I don't know if like the Bengals could actually be good. I know that. No, three I, and thirteen. I, I, I know. Like that was your team that you said is going to be the worst team. The, no, the, the, the Dolphins league. are now. Yeah, but they're very close. <laughs> so, but but I don't know. I don't know how to think about it yet. I mean, we can go in five, six weeks from now. That could be the Bengals' only good game of the whole season, and they could still have no wins. But time will tell. But I I don't know. I feel like it's going to be. It's going to be interesting because that that defense by Pittsburgh was horrendous. They I don't know if it was because their offense was barely on the field, so their defense had to play a lot longer than uh, they were used to. I mean, Bill Belichick tends to do that. He likes to kind of dissect a team and, and work and attack their weaknesses. I mean, he really did well at that in this game, but it's, I don't know, just, just go... I, We'll stay on this game, yeah, not, not next week. But let, let's go through it though. We got uh, yeah. ben, we got Ben Roethlisberger, twenty-seven for forty-seven. Nothing new there. Two hundred seventy-six yards, not a touchdown, but one pick. So if you're throwing from behind, he was going to have to throw a lot, and yep. so that means James Conner is going to get less work. And he had ten carries, twenty-one yards. Um, in the passing game, he had four receptions and forty-four yards. So not a bad game overall by him. But expect him to have some pretty solid performances moving forward. Juju Smith-Schuster, um, he's starting out okay. Six receptions, 77, 78 yards. Again. Nobody's going to reach the end zone this game. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're expecting some crazy numbers right now, I mean, at least you could seem optimistic for both James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster. It looks to me they're going to try to utilize James Washington a lot in the deep game, at least. Uh, two receptions, 51 yards. Uh, Vance McDonald, I like Vance McDonald a lot. I think Ben Roethlisberger should look to him a lot more. I mean, two receptions, 40 yards. Imagine what that what this guy can do. Um, again, he's not competing with Jesse James anymore for you know to get the, you know, to get to get these passes as a tight end, so it's officially his for the taking. They're involving Ryan Switzer a lot in the in the, in the slot. 
Um, yeah, well, six I mean, receptions, 29 yards. I mean, he's more of the punt returner slash kick yeah, returner. But, and, but when you have Dante Moncrief go out there and basically have no hands, bro, that's what's going to happen. what was that? That's what's going to happen. What was that? Switzer's going to get looks when he could not hold the ball for the life of him. Dude, one was thrown directly at his chest, and then it just fell. Like he could at, not w- at one second, the play was going. The next one, he was already back in the huddle because he didn't catch the ball that was thrown directly at him. And honestly... Going into this season, when I saw that, I said, you know, not a, not a, I'm not amazed by them picking up Dante Moncrief, but I was like, you know, that's a solid pickup for them. He's not going to make up for AB by any means, but I was like, you know, that's a respectable pickup. I could see them really doing well with him, and he just did not prove his case at all. Yeah, uh, but I mean, overall, you're not. There's no touchdowns on the offense, so I mean, we're, I feel like we're taking so long with these teams that only have three points on the board, like the Bears and now the Steelers. <laughs> but uh, but first impressions of Devin Bush. In his first game as a Steeler, he did well. I think he's gonna. That was when they they traded up, right? They traded up for him with the, I, with the Broncos. Yes, I was gonna say I thought so. They traded up for him, and the second I saw them trade up and make that pick, I was like, that was a great pick. That was a that he was probably fit, he fits. That was probably one of the first times for that draft that I said, you know, that's a great pick because there was a lot of questionable picks in that draft. Oh, 100 percent, especially at six. So that was definitely, you know, I was like, wow, this this is something that they needed with the. Uh, You're just Shazier like they're having, trying to fill in that Shazier, yeah. you know, void that they've been missing for a little bit, and I th- and you know, T.J. Watt's been picking up yeah. the workload, and, and Bush definitely you know, is doing well. I mean, he what does it say? He led the team in tackles. Yeah, so. That's that's a good start. Very well, very good start. This dude, this dude flies all around the field. Um, they just signed that. Ex- did they sign that extension with Joe Hayden? Yeah, right. Yes, I they think did. they just yes. gave him the extension. Um, so they're keeping him for a little bit. Terrell Edmonds in his second year. We should be expecting more. Bud Dupree, as well. Cam Hayward. A lot of names that you see on this defense. You know, Stephon Tewitt as well. I almost missed him. T.J. Watt went out with an injury. I think before mm-hmm. half or at at the half. He went out with, with a hip injury, so he didn't come back. But it's a pretty solid defensive front. Didn't look too great here. No. I mean, for a guy that got that extension when we were talking about Joe Hayden and and with TJ Watt and, and Bush and uh I who else was there? Like Vince Williams. There was uh there was another linebacker, another corner, who was it? On the defense, uh or maybe it was Mark Barron, is he a safety or something? He uh but but you know, you're you're looking at these guys to kinda, you know, do their job, step up, do what they have to do, and they just did not they did not look good very at wonky. All. Like it was kind of just like, eh. yeah, like, it, it was. It was not. It, know, it was not like. The they're coming Patriots, out of the half too. It was just like a slow start for them. Like the, the yeah, slow the, second half. The too. Patriots. I mean, I know that they have a great chemistry. The team. I know that they're the Patriots. Like they're the defending champs. They're they're good. They're very good. But I did not expect this. I feel like. Then, should have been a tighter game. Yeah, than it definitely should have. And but I, you can't I, go I against know. the stats. I put money down my free dollar bet on DraftKings. Thank you, DraftKings. <laughs> I put down on the on the Patriots. I saw the stats. They were four and zero or five and zero versing the Steelers at, at home. home. Yeah, they're at home. Why not? Yeah, I mean, and they're still undefeated with against the Steelers at home. I I think the last thing that I, I will say about this game is I think that the Steelers need to be very 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 worried because. The last few years, if their defense kind of gave up big plays, they were giving up a lot of uh, points on the you know the defensive side. They would just go out there and AB would do something, Bell would do something, you know, Big Ben would make a nice pass down the field, like they would figure it out. That might not be the situation this year. They may not be able to rely on that offense like they have. So this this could I be mean, a problem. I, I feel like they st- they can still rely on the offense as much as they did, they did before. I mean, Juju and James Conner is no one to look over. 
but I feel like with it much quieter in that locker room now, without AB in there or Le'Veon Bell dealing with the, um, you know, they're not in the media as much. I think they have a lot more time to, to figure it out. I think they well, catch they get the W in week two. I can't see these guys going on too, man. I mean, but, I think the the main issue that they had was that Ben is used to. I mean, you have Antonio Brown. He's used to just like you know lobbing it down the field, and, and Brown some way somehow is going to come down with that ball, or at least make a good play on that ball. I feel like Ben was throwing the ball down the field, and the receivers were just nowhere near it, weren't making plays, and it was just like, you know, I, I think you said he had 20 incompletions or something throughout the game. Like, he, it got to a point to where I know you're down by so much that you're just like, you got to take those big shots, but they were just not clicking. It was not working well for them. I mean, let's go to the Patriots side of the ball now. I mean, they were, they're putting three, 33 points on the board. How can we not, you know, go in depth with these guys? But mind you, this is pre-Antonio Brown, so... They're they're going to the Dolphins next week. I mean, they're, it it is minus seventeen for for the Patriots on DraftKings. The only only good thing I would say that that gives the the Dolphins any sort of shot is that the uh, Patriots are not good at playing in Miami for some reason. They're not, but I think this team is so bad. Oh no, yeah, I, I don't that see they're going to be okay. I don't and see. It I happening. think they learned that we shouldn't put Gronkowski at safety. <laughs> so I think I mean, he's, not, even there he's not there anymore. So I think there's no excuse at this point. But let's jump into it real quick. So Tom Brady, 42 years old, 24 for 36, 341 yards, three touchdowns. Love it. Um, I absolutely love Tom Brady. He did a phenomenal job out there. I mean, I wasn't expecting anything less. But the thing is, they are run first. And I think in the regular season um, last year, Tom Brady did not perform well as you know, as far as quarterbacks, quarterbacks goes, he had a pretty down year compared to everyone else, but also compared to his own stats. I mean, last year in the regular season was pretty bad. And then the postseason, he turned it up and here, here he is, comes out with three touchdowns and I was expecting it to be more run first. I mean, Sony Michelle kind of disappeared later on in the game, but um, we also had that one pass by Julian Edelman for 32 yards, which I feel like they at least do once every game for some reason. But we had Rex Burkhead kind of turn it up later in the game. Eight carries, 44 yards. They kind of split it up between everyone. Uh, four carries, 26 yards for James White. And then Sonny Michelle, again, he kind of disappeared later on in the game. He had 15 carries, 14 yards. So they're really utilizing all three guys in the backfield. Do you think moving forward, do you think Tom Brady has three touchdowns per game? And I mean, we're talking like Josh Gordon... Philip Dorsett, who I think Tom Brady really likes to target. And then you have Antonio Brown now. They're not going to utilize Demarius Thomas anymore because he is now on the Jets. As of yesterday, he was taken for a fifth, sixth-round pick um, in division to the Jets. So if that doesn't tell you that the Jets are kind of desperate right now after week one, I don't know what does. Well, yeah, I mean, they're also desperate because Noon was probably out for the season now. Yes, and I think he should retire if this is your second serious neck injury. But back to the Patriots. You're utilizing these three guys in the backfield. Do you think moving forward, Tom Brady has three touchdowns per game considering the targets he now has out wide and how Bill Palachuk runs his offense, which is usually run first? I mean, it's it's a very tough... I know it seems so much easier. You think all these guys that you just named, and it's like, oh, well, how could you not throw the ball? How could you not get all these touchdowns per game? But I feel like they go in... They're very good at strategizing. They go in week to week 
basically dissecting that team and saying what are they good at what are they bad at and whatever they're bad at they're really going to try to work on for that week yeah and they're going to kind of like morph into that kind of team so for this for example they got three touchdowns in the air this game if seattle let's say they go in for some reason and they say oh you know seattle is secondary they don't they don't like the way it looks they, they're kind of worried but their run defense they, they, they can expose it they're going to completely change their team, and they're going to focus more on the run and the maybe shorter passes. It's it's just. I mean, they're with the Dolphins next week. Next oh year. yeah, that's right. The, the Steelers. <laughs> you have, have the Steelers. You're still yeah. on the Steelers. But. The, uh, so so the Patriots. Let's say you know they're going against the Dolphins. Let's say like you know they they like their they don't like their uh, their deep guys. So like their corners, their safeties. They think all right, they're they're kind of talented. We don't really want to test them I for mean, some it, reason. They went down against Lamar Jackson. They they did. So. so I I could see you know next week I could see it, but like the point I'm trying to make is that. They will morph into whatever weakness that team has. So if they have, if he has to not throw, if he gets no passing touchdowns, they win. They win. It doesn't really matter at that point. I don't see him. He can definitely do it. He has the the, the power. He has the players. He, he can definitely do it himself. If that was a question. Yes, he can throw three touchdowns a week and and go away with it. Like he could definitely do it. But I feel like the way, like the Patriot way, and everything, the, all the way that everybody talks about, You're I feel slow like, it down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I expect a pretty solid game from them. Maybe they'll take it easy. I don't know. Usually you don't. This is football, of course, but the Patriots, I feel like the way their game plan is going to go, they don't have to go as hard as they did against the Steelers. Because no. Because that's a game that, hey, this is a pretty solid matchup week one. We need to win against them. But also Miami, they don't play well in Miami. But um, put it, I always like to put that aside because at the end of the day, the Patriots are a way better team than the Dolphins are. Yeah. But uh, receiving-wise, like I mentioned before, Philip Dorsett had two touchdowns with the air, four receptions, 90, 95 yards. I fully expect Antonio Brown to try to take that role away from him. Maybe Philip Dorsett becomes that third option. I mean, you kind of have to because it's Antonio mm-hmm. Brown. Um, Julian Edelman had a pretty solid game too. Six receptions, 83 yards. Did you see that one throw by Tom Brady where he was pretty much getting sacked? In the middle of him getting sacked, the ball just falls to Julian Edelman. His, in his hands. Like- How do you not love Julian Edelman for that, bro? <laughs> because he finds a way to make plays. Him and Tom Brady have that same mentality of, you know, let's get this work done. Let's find a way to win. Let's find a way to score no matter what circumstance we're in. And I love that. And I think... Julian Edelman has that attitude. I mean, Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, can't overlook that either. Josh Gordon, three receptions, 73 yards, and a touchdown. That one touchdown that he had should have been downed at like the 10-yard line, but the tackle was missed, and he said, get off me. I'm going into this end zone, and he got the touchdown. And yeah. again, adding adding Antonio Brown to this list should be very interesting into this lineup, I mean, um, moving forward. And then uh, James White is going to be involved in the passing game a lot. I mean, that's James White. That's his middle name, passing game, James White. <laughs> Um, five receptions, fifty-six yards. Um, I definitely expect him to turn up a bit later on, especially for fantasy owners. He's on my bench right now. I fully expect him to be in the starting lineup by mid-season. They can utilize him a lot. Um, other than that, bro, the, at the end of the day, it's like Tom Brady was so dominant throwing the ball, and again, he does his signature checkdowns. He does this and that, but when he has to look for guys like Julian Edelman or Josh Gordon to make a big play downfield. He gets it done too, and I can't I can't stress this enough that Tom Brady, um, just the way he plays, like knowing how to get the ball out of your hands and get it to the guy in front of you to try to get get some yardage and trust him that he's going to make a play. Um, you can't I can't overlook that. A lot of people say he's a system quarterback. Yes, you can make your argument, but that just doesn't happen overnight. And I know a lot of people, and I want to get into this topic here. As a team like the Patriots who are, are, are seemed to be 
you know, compared to a team like in the NBA, like, like like Golden State Warriors, who are always favorited to be in the Super Bowl each and every year, the championship game. A lot of people think they should be investigated for the things that they do, picking up Antonio Brown and such. And we're going to wait on Antonio Brown for a second because I have a lot to say about that. But people think they get lucky. They always get what they want. But at, at the end of the day, because they've cheated too um, in, in their past, and that, that's already known. But who would have known guys like Julian Edelman and Tom Brady would have been these great players? I mean, who who would have known? I mean, Tom Brady's a sixth-round pick. Julian Edelman's a seventh-round pick. He was drafted. Um, he was a quarterback in college, dude. Who would have expected him to be a Super Bowl MVP as a wide receiver? No one would have. And, I mean, they're utilizing guys like Rex Burkhead and James White in the backfield. Sonny Michelle was a back end. Um, he could have been dropped He could have been dropped to round two in the NFL draft that one year. Who? How do you know these guys are going to be good? Yes, t- Bill Belichick knows how to use these guys, but it's not like Tom Brady was number one overall. Julian Edelman was, not, was number one overall or like a very high-touted draft pick. No one would have known these guys would have been great. So you have to give credit where credit is due, and I'm gonna I'm gonna back the Patriots here, and I I think, you know, grabbing Antonio Brown, yes, it was in it was the right circumstances to pick him up, and it's a very Patriot way to do that, but these guys reload, they don't rebuild, and they haven't for a very long time, so they've had the right guys, and yeah. they're keeping the right guys in there. What do you yeah. think of that? I I hate it, but it's I guess it's, in a respectful kind of hate. It's just it's like it's true. What are you gonna do about it? It's it's impressive. You I lose mean, Trent Brown. You put in Isaiah Wynn, who over like third out of thirty three, I think uh, thirty three snaps. I remember the stat on the TV. Only one of them he allowed any pass rush. Yeah. So you just fill in that void, and Trent Brown is getting tons of money somewhere else. That means they don't have to pay that guy. Yeah, you're not paying Isaiah Wynn that much money. I think it was like sixty something million dollars for Trent Brown on the Raiders, and. And, and again, the Patriots just filled that void in with Isaiah Wynn, who was injured last year. So It's interesting because you, you pay premiums for these guys because of their talent and their abilities, and you go, and oh, the Patriots well, like, get out of here. Yeah, like, Sonny like, Michelle will not be on this team in a couple of years. No, and, and that's the amazing thing is when that's how everybody else in the league reacts. It's, oh, my God, like, you know, Antonio Brown, he's, wow, he's he's out here. We're going to, we'll pay, we'll throw money at him just to get him on our team. Like, kind of like what the Jets were doing with Le'Veon Bell. Like, they were throwing money at him. They just wanted him on that team. Uh, the the Patriots are the complete opposite, and it always works out for them. It always does. It's it's crazy. So at this point in the podcast, we're going to take a short break so we can play some of the ads. We're going to conclude this part of the Week 1 recap and split this up into two different parts. So right after the ads are done, don't go away. We're going to plug some of our social medias, and then after that, we'll conclude the episode. I'm Michael, the host of the semi-monthly podcast in a city like yours. Join me as I chat with interesting people with interesting life stories. You can listen to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can follow us on Twitter at IACLYS Podcast, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at In a City Like Yours Podcast. Please feel free to let me know what you think. And keep coming back for the many interesting stories in a city like yours. This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Network. So I just want to let you guys know to please follow the Instagram and Twitter of the Franchise Tag Podcast. It's at Franchise Tag Pod. And make sure to subscribe to the Franchise Tag NFL Podcast on YouTube for more clips of what goes on 
in the episodes. Same with the Instagram. You'll get more clips on both platforms. Thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for part two.